Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman. And this is Paige Dempster. Hello! And today, we're going to discuss spice and autumn leaves. I'll be your guesser today, and Paige will be the researcher. Let's get rebutted. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Paige. Happy Friday. Happy Monday. For those people, yeah. But for those us, people, our for those fans, people, hello our, fans, our viewers, for us, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, We're going to talk about spicy stuff. Okay. Yeah. Do you like spicy stuff? I love spicy stuff, but I'm very sensitive to the spicy stuff. I love spicy stuff, and I'm not very sensitive to the spicy stuff. Well, lucky you. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. What do you think causes, like, a food to be spicy? Capsaicin. Yeah, you got it right. So, with most spicy foods, not all the spicy foods, but most spicy foods, it's because of the molecule called capsaicin. And the capsaicin molecules will attach to the VR1 receptors on your tongue. And VR1 receptors are what let us tell the temperature in food so when the stickeroo happens uh the vr1 receptors will tell your brain that something is hot in your mouth which leads to the spicy sensation the spicy sensation the spicy sensation hot foods like chili peppers and stuff have capsaicin in them specifically to deter mammals from eating them but ironically that is why we eat them because of the spicy how is the spiciness of a food measured? In Scoville units. Also correct. To measure the amount of capsaicin specifically a food has, we use the Scoville heat units, or SHU. The Scoville scale was developed in... Do you want to guess the year? Uh, 1922. Very close, 1912. Yeah. By a man named Wilbur Scoville. Wilbur. Wilbur. What is the hottest pepper in the world right now? Right now? Um, is it still the Carolina Reaper? It is still the Carolina Reaper. Wow. There are rumors of another hotter pepper coming next year, though. It's called like... Next year. Called like Pepper X or something. Oh my god. <laughs> the Scoville of the Carolina Reaper. Do you know exactly how hot Carolina Reaper is? Um, is it like one million Scovilles or something? 
Okay, well, for reference, the jalapeno has about 5,000 Scoville heat units. Okay. The Carolina Reaper is 2.2 million Scoville heat units. So what you're saying is I was closer to being right than to being wrong. About, yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a Carolina Reaper, but they look as terrifying as the name sounds. They're the little orange ones, right? I think they're red, actually. And they're, like, wrinkly, and they have, like, the spiky on the end. Oh, oh, the spiky. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, you can tell how hot a pepper will be by looking at the stem. And the thinner the stem is, the spicier it will be. Oh. Or so the legend goes. I had some jalapeno today, and it wasn't very spicy at all, but there were no seeds attached, so. I think the seeds are also what carry the capsaicin, so. It's the seed and the membrane, the white part. Yeah, but it's like mostly the seeds. It's both. Listen, I did my research and I know that peppers produce the most capsaicin in their seeds because... Because the birds have to carry them. Yeah, and mammals will digest the pepper seeds, so they put extra spicy in the pepper seeds so we don't eat the seeds. And then we do it anyway because we have pain. Yeah, we will get to that, I promise you. Why does wasabi spice feel different than pepper spice? Well, it's not capsaicin, is it? It is not. Do you know what it is? It's um, horseradish um, (laughs) L-virusum. I didn't actually expect you to know the name, but I want you to not know some of these because it makes me feel better. Wait, did I get it right? No. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right. It doesn't have capsaicin in it. Wasabi and other plants in the horseradish family contain a chemical called allele isothiocyanate, which instead of binding to the receptors in your in your mouth, go like straight to your sinuses. It's great. Oh yeah, it's awesome. How about can you name some of the health benefits of spicy peppers? Well, the peppers themselves typically carry vitamin C and fiber and other such nutrients found in many vegetables. Nice. Um, the different color peppers will slightly change the nutritional profile. Um, and so there are some peppers that start out one color and then like as they mature, they turn into a different, I mean, they're still the same pepper, but we have a different name for them. Um, so that's good. And then the spicy, spicy it uh well you know it can temporarily clear your sinuses and that's nice it can also like very slightly speed up the digestive process yeah pretty much i guess i should have like specified hot pepper specifically but you got most of them yeah i was talking about like in general but then also the spicy yeah um according to webmd great source the best source (laughs) the best source hot peppers can help you in like all sorts of ways they claim that hot peppers can do things like fight migraines alleviate body pain clear a stuffy nose i think we all know that one 
boost your metabolism, lower your blood pressure. And one study even suggests that capsaicin kills certain cancer cells. You know what else kills certain cancer cells? What's that? The human body all day, every day. <laughs> it was one study. We can't be sure about anything yet. WebMD. The yep. best source. Please talk oh, yes. us. Please. You and American Citrus Association. How about naming some bad stuff spicy peppers can do? Well, it can like it can give you acid reflux, otherwise known as heartburn. Yeah. Um, it can if you eat too many spicy things, it can damage the lining of your stomach. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, apparently one of my relatives did that. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> okay, DJ. Um it can also damage your digestive tract. Um yes, yeah, so along the same lines as the previous one. It can make you cough, which is part of heartburn, which is not covid friendly. Now that is not COVID friendly. And it can give you fiery poops. Yeah. Some additional things that spicy peppers can do to you that are bad. Um, if you have asthma and are sensitive to spice, having a food that's too spicy can actually trigger an asthma attack. <laughs> that's so metal I know right <laughs> I don't know like anyone that that's actually happened to though I love it um, also eating too much spicy food can lead to nausea and vomiting uh, probably because of that whole stomach lining thing that we were talking about um, also if you get any food with capsaicin in your eyes or an open wound it can irritate the area and if that happens the best thing you can do is Flesh out the area with some warm water. Why does it hurt to pass spicy food through your poo-poos? Because. So. <laughs> <laughs> because. So in your. Basically like the area where the poop starts to come out. There and, and like that surrounding area, there are taste buds that are they basically like you don't actually taste anything, but they have the same evolutionary purpose as the taste buds in your mouth. And so when the spicy stuff touches it, it like alarms your body to be like, uh oh, there's something here that shouldn't be here. Uh oh, there is a fire on your butt. Yes, <laughs> you're kind of right. You're like 80% right, I'd say. Okay. So they're not actually taste buds. They're like the same VR1 receptors yeah. that are in your mouth that detect heat. And they're not only just present in your butthole, but they are also present in places like your intestines and your stomach and your kidneys. Stuff like that. So... When your body is processing it, yeah, it's like, oh my god, there is a spicy thing down here and you need to be worried. So, yeah. Yeah. What is the best way to quench spice and why? Milk. But why? 
because so compared to water all water really does is move it around because um spicy spicy is fat soluble but not water soluble and so the milk the fat in the milk basically dissolves the spicy and so it makes your mouth feel cool again again like 80 percent, right if it's capsaicin spice specifically the best way to get rid of it is any food containing milk fat and yeah like you said the fat molecules will bind to the capsaicin molecules and break them up if you can't have dairy um any other starchy food like bread will also help because of a similar reason but it won't help as much i can attest to this (laughs) uh do you know how to get rid of wasabi spice you get rid of wasabi spice with um, any other fatty food. Ah, yes, I finally get to rebut you. Okay. So the way to get rid of wasabi spice is actually to rinse out your mouth with vinegar. Oh. Yeah, sounds gross. Yeah. Um, supposedly, this stops the reaction that causes wasabi to burn in the first place. But I couldn't actually find any other sources to back this up. So who's to say if it works or not? And I think that someone should experiment and email us to tell us what happened. Yes, please. (laughs) And lastly, why do some people handle spicy food better than other people? Well, there's a couple pieces to it. Part of it is genetic. Some people are just predisposed to more spicy tolerance. Um, It has to do with the receptors that you're born with. Um, And then other people otherwise build up to it. It's very cultural. So like oftentimes you'll start out very young and then build up to spicier and spicier as you get older. And um, yeah. And some people actually kind of get high off of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a thing. Um, Correct. But specifically, um, it is your genes. But People with larger papillae, which is like the little bumps on your tongue, are a lot more like sensitive to spice than people with smaller papillae. Check out my papillae. I don't want to get your tongue away from the camera. I don't want to see it. Uh, I was going to ask you a bonus question, but now I can't remember what it was. Let me see your papillae. No. So it's time for a word from a sponsor. Do hot peppers give you anxiety? Do you have the taste receptors of a little baby boy and need instant relief? Then you need the wearable udder. Simply strap to your waist next to your favorite fanny pack. Then give it a squeeze and enjoy as a fresh, cool stream of milk pours straight from the udder and right into your burning mouth comes in regular dairy milk as well as soy, almond, and other lactose-free varieties. Go to squeezethatteat.com slash R&R for a 20% discount on purchases of $100 or more. The wearable udder. Farm fresh and straight from you. Welcome back. Hey. Hey, so you're doing pretty well right now. I don't Yeah, think- I got my I got my wearable teat. Did you? I do. I'm wearing it right now. What milk variety do you have in it? Oat. Wow. I have the regular dairy variety. Wow. (laughs) Straight from the teat. And 
into my meat. Oh no. <laughs> I leave that in. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I was saying that you're doing pretty well right now. You got most of these right. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I probably should have picked one that you like a topic that you knew less about. I had a feeling you might know a lot about spicy spicy. Yeah. And you'll probably actually know a lot about this too, because we did learn a bit about it in school. School? Yeah. In high school. I didn't go to school. Oh, come on. You were there. You just had your head down on the desk the entire time. No, that was you. <laughs> I just didn't show up. <laughs> Learning a lot about us today, I see. We're going to talk about leaves. I love leaves. Do you? What's your favorite leaf? Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> I really like clovers mm -hmm. and I like strawberry leaves uh-huh and I like cocoa leaves because they're in the shape of the cocoa pod wow wow <laughs> oh my god I'm going insane okay here we go <laughs> What causes leaves to be green in the first place? Chlorophyll. Yeah. Do you know what uh, purpose chlorophyll serves? Chlorophyll helps with photosynthesis. Not only does it help with photosynthesis, it's the whole reason photosynthesis can even happen. Photosynthesis. That's why like, almost every leaf in the whole goddamn world is green. <laughs> almost. Why do leaves change color in the fall? Because the plant senses that winter is coming. And so um, the inside of the plant is like, uh-oh, it's time to die. We're going to stop making food. It's gonna it's time to stop creating chlorophyll because there's going to be no more sunlight for a while. And so the chlorophyll goes away. And so does the color green. Kind of? I mean, like, if you were taking a biology test and someone asked you, why are the leaves, why, like, do leaves change color? You gave them that. You probably get, like, a C plus. I'll take it. So, because the days get shorter and the temperature begins to drop, the chlorophyll in the plant cells dies down and disappears, which leaves the orange and yellow carotenoids, which were actually there the whole time, but just not visible because of all the chlorophyll, to now be visible. So most leaves turn like, you know, yellow or orange, but some of them turn like red and purple and stuff. It's which, true. Yeah, which are my favorite leaves. Why do Mine you think too. Oh, I thought you said you like cocoa leaves and strawberry leaves and clover. I do, but when the leaves turn colors, I like the purple and red ones. Oh, okay. Now, do you know why they turn red and purple? Well, as the green goes away, mm -hmm. we are left with the mystery of what <laughs> color will this leaf turn? <laughs> and the answer to that is some trees 
use a, a spinny wheel like uh, like when you play Twister. Oh. And when the needle stops on a certain color, that's what color the leaves turn. I like it. It's actually because of a chemical called anthocyanin, or I'm sorry, anthocyanin, which is produced kind of as like a stress response due to the rapidly changing outdoor conditions. Oh man, it's a stress response? Yeah. (laughs) I know all about those. Oh, is that why you turn red in the summer? No, it's because I'm really white. Oh, well, it's okay. The anthocyanin helps protect the leaves and also lets the trees squeeze out the last bits of nutrients from the leaves. Oh. Yeah. When I was in preschool, I saw some purple leaves on the ground and I was very confused by this. And I asked my teacher, I picked up the leaf and I asked my teacher, why is this leaf purple? And she's like, leaves can't be purple. Leaves can only be (laughs) green and yellow and red and brown. And I was like, but the tree outside has purple leaves right now. Why are the leaves purple? And she's like, it's not purple. And we got into a whole argument about whether the leaf was purple. I'm telling you, it was purple. It's okay. I believe you. I just can't imagine a three-year-old arguing with a full-on adult about the color of a leaf. I saw it. I saw it. I can't believe the adult, like, to your face, holding a purple leaf was like, leaves cannot be purple. I was, like, so taken aback. And then the same teacher one time, a different day, I was like, hey, how is wind created? Where does it come from? (laughs) And she said that the trees make the wind. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And she's like, well, that's how it works. I'm like, I don't think that's how that works. And I was right. That's not how that works. I wonder if that teacher is a Trump supporter. I can only imagine. Well, um, no research required for this, but the jet stream is a thing that causes wind. But that is not what we are talking about today. And also, purple leaves do exist, Mrs. Whatever You Are. Anyway, you can actually, like, specifically cultivate to get redder, more beautiful leaves. Do you have any idea how to do that? Well, um, the question was, why are, oh, how do you create more red leaves? How do you create, like, more aesthetic leaves? Yeah, and there's also, like, certain outside factors, but how do you get red leaves? Well, you take a mommy tree and a daddy tree. And you put them together, you put their DNA together in a Petri dish, and you selectively breed for the red ones. And and while you are editing these genes, you spin the color wheel, but you cheat and you keep spinning it until it always lands on red. Because red in this case is a recessive trait. And so you need to have a red mommy and a red daddy to make the red baby. Again, good idea. Also, these are 
trees and not amoeba, they probably wouldn't go in a petri dish. But regardless, there are just like some trees like maple and sumac trees, which are prone to the process of getting the anthocyanin and just naturally always giving them a reddish purple color. But temperature and soil are also major factors. If the temperature can consistently stay cool, but still above freezing for a few weeks, uh, anthocyanin will be produced more easily and result in a more vibrant color. But an early frost will lead to a weaker color. And then also plants growing in more acidic soil will be more likely to have red leaves. Oh. Yeah. Mm, do colored leaves have any purpose? Like different color from green? Yeah. Well, different animals can see different colors differently. And so I think that the changing leaves signals to the birds flying overhead where to go and when while they migrate. Time to get rebutted. Okay. Okay, the carotenoids and the anthocyanin pigments do help in the process of like photosynthesis, but without the chlorophyll, they can't actually do anything other than look pretty. So no, they don't really have a purpose. Oh. Yeah, kind of sad. Why do the leaves fall off of the trees? Well, as the season goes on and they run and the leaves run out of nutrients and food for the tree itself, um, it's part of that natural life cycle. The tree, as it turns color, has its bar mitzvah or its bat mitzvah. And then um, it turns color a little bit more again. It gets a little bit colder. There's a little bit less sunlight. And then suddenly the tree is like, uh-oh, I have COVID-19. And then... And then the plant doctor comes and puts it on a respirator and then, um, you know, life takes its natural course and the leaves die. You started off on the right track. <laughs> so since the tree can no longer photosynthesize because like all the chlorophyll is gone, the leaf just like becomes dead weight and the tree needs to get rid of it. So the tree will start to develop special cells where the stem meets the bark that severs the leaf from the tree and then when the leaf falls off of the tree because of like wind or gravity or whatever the tree will heal itself or the stem is severed so you're saying that it cuts the cord it cuts the cord alternatively because that would be at the beginning of the life cycle so alternatively this is at the end of the leaf life cycle and so they as they say pull the plug yes Got it. Cool. Define evergreen. Evergreen is a plant, usually a tree, that stays green throughout the year. Yeah. Now, can any tree be evergreen? No, not every tree can be evergreen. Kind of. Like, evergreen is defined as just any single tree that can keep its foliage green 
and on the branches for the entire year. So that means like while an oak tree up here in New Jersey is not considered an evergreen because it drops its leaves in the fall, an oak tree planted closer to the equator could be considered an evergreen if it's able to hang on to its leaves during the winter. Wow. Yeah. And then there's some trees like spruce, pine, that are just considered an entirely species of evergreen because they hang on to their foliage the entire year, no matter where they are. Foliage. Foliage. That's all I have. Well, I'm so excited. I got to learn about tree leaves and spice. It was somewhat fun to research. I'm glad. Well, first, a shout out to Paige for graduating from college. Oh, yeah, that happens. <laughs> hey, I graduated, guys. Yay. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Research Rebut and on Instagram and Facebook at Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can email us topic suggestions at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review. That's right. We're asking you to do that now. We didn't used to ask you to do that, but now we are. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever (laughs) you're listening to this because it really helps. If you feel comfortable. Um, you know what? No consent here. Just rate and review. Oh boy. Okay. And um please sponsor us American Citrus Council. Please. We're begging you, man. We really want you on the show. We would give anything to have you on the show. I would give you my left pinky, and I am left-handed. That's a tall gift oh yeah also what's your favorite leaf tell us email it to us yeah please tell us what your favorite leaf is it doesn't have to be a tree it can be literally any kind of leaf i really really want to know (laughs) uh social media yeah tell us on social media tell us through email we'll give you a shout out no matter what (laughs) no like did you plug our social media (laughs) oh Yes, I did. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See ya. Milk. Milk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.